0: A powerful story? I'm Mary Demuth, and in this podcast, I share stories of everyday people who remind you that you're not alone as you untangle your own story. Because of the outrageous generosity of God, I believe you can experience a joyful restory moment right now. Remember, the old is gone, the new awaits. The Restory Show starts now. The Restory Show Season 3 Episode 17. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Restory Conference which is coming to Rockwall, Texas, September 16th of 2017. It'll be at Lake Point Church and we will be meeting from 8:30 to 1. There's going to be worship, there's going to be four testimonies instead of 3 and I'll also be speaking and the emphasis this year is, is going to be on relationships. So how can you find truth and joy and freedom in your relationships? How can you set be set free from past painful relationships so that you can walk forward and find joy today even when your current relationships are frustrating. So if you're interested in signing up for the Restory Conference, just go to the therestoryconference.eventbrite.com to buy your tickets today and there's discounts for larger numbers if you'd like to bring the price down a little bit. I look forward to seeing you and if you found it through the Restory show and you see me on that day, which I hope to connect with all of you, Please let me know. It would be really great to know that you found me that way and found the conference that way. I also would really appreciate it if you'd write a quick two sentence review on iTunes. It just helps the restory show to get noticed and I would really appreciate that. And also if you have your own story that you'd like to share, um, up to four minutes, you can go to marydemuth.com and click on the little microphone icon on the right hand side and you can share your story up to four minutes. So uh, today, I am welcoming Chris Morris, and he is a CPA, but he's also a writer, and he helps writers manage the business side of things, which is very helpful, and I've asked him a couple of questions about that. Anyway, he's got a fascinating story today about chronic illness, and so if you know someone that's dealing with something like this, you might want to share this episode with them, and if you, chances are you love someone that is battling this, and so listen for the sake of empathy, and maybe you're listening and you're battling a chronic illness, so I think this episode will be highly encouraging. Hey, everyone. I am so excited today to have Chris Morris on the show. He is a CPA and also a writer. I met him at a writer's conference. And so we've been best friends for a few months now. And uh, he has some amazing stories. I know that he'll probably tell one of them, I'm sure. But I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to share today. Chris, thanks so much for coming on The ReStory Show. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks, Mary. So, give the listeners a little bit of a snapshot of who you are, where you grew up, stuff like that. Sure. So,
1: let let me start by saying I grew up all over the place because I'm a military brat. Emphasis on the brat, not the military. Uh, <laughs> I was born in Germany, kind of lived all over the U.S. Uh, I was raised in a, a, a kind of an a religious environment. Like, if you want, if you're interested in God, then go find Him. Good luck. If you're not, that's cool. Through a, a fun, ser- a weird series of circumstances, I ended up meet meeting Christ through a a youth group party where I I was sort of like the token non-Christian, you know, how everyone says, Oh, we should invite a non-Christian and see if they get saved. Well, it worked. Um, (laughs) I was just overcome with, with love and acceptance because that wasn't, that wasn't a part of my, my upbringing. I had a, I came from an alcoholic abusive family. So it was, it was life changing for me to interact with people that, you know, loved me and accepted me as I was. The next day, I accepted Christ. Youth pastor was, uh, he, he literally was preaching through Romans 8, 31 through 39. A- and then he said, but none of this applies to you if you're not in Christ. If you're not in Christ, what are you waiting for? And I was like, I have no idea. Let's do this. You know, fast forward 20 years, 25 years. Been, I've been married to my wife, Barbara, for coming up on 20 years now. Uh, we have... Four children. My my stepson is twenty two, and then I and then my and then my other kids are sixteen, fourteen as well.
0: Awesome. Well, I love that kind of that youth group story. My husband has kind of a story like that as well, where his Christian friends just kind of pretended he was a Christian, sort of, and so they did not alter their language. They just talked about God as if He were real, which He is, and he it gave my husband a hunger for knowing who Jesus was. Even though he didn't really know him at that time, so it's kind of a fun story to hear. The power of inviting somebody is so big.
1: Just to add a little color to that story, because it, there's there's some humor involved here. My my next door neighbor, who I'd never met, came over and she's like, "Would you like to come to my birthday party?" Like being being the nice guy I was, I was like, "Girl, I don't even know you." And I, like I said, nice guy. She's like, "Well, well, I'll be back and see if you can come if you have time." So she came back the day of. And she's like, would you, you know, so so are you going to come to my party? She's like, oh, I have other plans. She kind of looks around me. She's like, you're playing Legend of Zelda. <laughs> like, so, so then I went. And again, I, that's when I was, uh, you know, that that's when I was sort of over overcome and overwhelmed with love and acceptance. That, that kind of boldness, though, even now it sort of surprises me, like thinking back on that.
0: That is very bold. Just inviting some random person to your birthday party. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. So the, the moral of the story, everyone that's listening to the ReStory show today needs to go out and invite some random person to a party you're having. <laughs> you never know what could happen. There you go. <laughs> so Chris, tell us a story that you want to be sharing with the ReStory listeners today. What What's on your heart and what story do you want to share?
1: Sure. So I'd like to talk about when I, I came to grips with, I had to come to grips with the fact that I have a chronic illness. It was sort of, unexpected my, my family uh to, to take a step back we my, my daughter is autistic and epileptic so we've we've sort of adjusted as a, we had adjusted as a family to to that idea of okay we're a special needs family and my wife and I were kind of okay with I mean as okay as you can be with me with identifying as and sort of dealing with all the struggles around being special needs parents but but I had sort of a a, a wild moment that set off a, a series of events in my life where I had to kind of sit on the other side of the table, if you will. Um, I was driving back from the the grocery store. Exciting life I live. I was driving back from the <laughs> <store> <laughs> with with my my daughter in the back seats. We're and um, one one seconds we were. I could give you the street names, it wouldn't matter. One second, we were at Choya and 83rd Avenue. The next second, we were at Peoria and 83rd Avenue. And there was like zero time gap. So I didn't know what happened. Thankfully, uh, I, I didn't know what happened. I sort of freaked out, got home as soon as I could, described to my wife what took place. And after some research, we realized that what, what had happened is I had an absent seizure while driving with my daughter in the car.
0: Oh, my gosh. Wow. It was a-
1: mile that, that I drove. Uh, thank, thank God our legitimately, thank God our alignment wasn't was in shape. There was no one on the road. A- and I came to, so to speak, uh, before we came to the red light. Because it was right before we came to the red light. And I'm like, what's happening? And I had a moment, hit moment to sort of freak out. And then I hit the brakes.
0: Wow. That's scary. So how did, you know, you looked it up or tried to figure it out, but I'm guessing you had to go to the doctor and what was that process like?
1: Yeah, so so I, I have a history of, of of seizures. I can I can tell you that genetically speaking, my my daughter's epilepsy is my fault, so to speak. And I I say that you know tongue in cheek. It's my genetic makeup that results in her having her seizures. And we've had since had genetic testing done that sort of proves that. Like I have deletions in my genes or mutations or something. But at at any rate, um, so you're
0: an X man.
1: <laughs> I, I wish. Yeah, my superpower is I lose time.
0: <laughs> yeah, a, I guess that's not a superpower anybody really wants to have.
1: Like, could I please fly? That would be so...
0: <laughs> that would be a lot better.
1: <laughs> so, so yeah, we, we have uh, one of my best friends. His, his wife is also epileptic. So we ended up re- going to her neurologist and started down the path of, well, here, here's the meds you were on before, Chris. So let's see if they'll work. Um, because, like I said, I have a, a history of epilepsy, but I'd gone about 15 years without any episodes, um, I, unmedicated, 15 years without episodes. So there was, you know, it, it really came out of the blue. I was on this. I was on the medication for a while, and my 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 absent seizures. I call them. I, 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 I refer to it as like a personal pause button. I feel like that's a good way to describe what happens for me um, because I I pause, but the rest of the world doesn't. And then I have to sort of figure out what happened and how long it's been through a variety of kind of context clues almost. At any rate, so we, you know, my, my, my seizures were, were escalating in frequency to the point where where I, I ended up going into an epilepsy monitoring unit in, a, in a, a Mayo hospital. An epilepsy monitoring unit is an EEG with several video cameras in there. And then someone has a, a button that they basically press whenever they Believe that I'm having a seizure, so so this allows them to to match the the brain waves with the physical manifestation to sort of see what's happening. I, I was at, I was at Mayo Clinic for a couple of days with you know uh, un, under that in, in that sort of environment, and then and then the story took another turn. The physician came in. He he says to me, "We we've recorded we have record of 27 seizures that where your your wife or someone else has, has sort of clicked the button to say that there's a seizure." And we reviewed the brain activity for all of those. And none of these are epileptic seizures, meaning your brain waves are completely normal. And, and, and then he said that, this is, a, this is the unfortunate part that I remember the most. He said, so Chris, you don't have real seizures. Um, and he goes on to describe, uh, my, my diagnosis is psychogenic non-epileptic seizures. That's a mouthful. That P- is.
0: That is a lot of long words. <laughs> we'll just say
1: PNES. Okay. And uh, someone who has PNES, the easiest way that I can I can kind of describe it, even though it's not perfect, is it, it's akin in some ways to to PTSD, where and the, the response to whatever trigger there is is for the body to mimic a seizure without the brain wait, without the brain participating if you will yeah so so we moved then from neurology to mental illness is okay. essentially what happened i was at the point where i was having seven eight, sie- seven eight of these seizures a day and they were you know i would i would have to go to sleep afterwards i'd be exhausted so i, I actually went out on on short-term disability. Um, from my 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 day job, which was fun, because then I had to explain to like fifty different people, everyone I worked with. You know, I'm out on disability. Oh, How come? I'd rather not talk about it. Oh, come on, we're friends. That whole dynamic. Wow. Um, and
0: you and, probably wish you just had like a, a card that explained it and handed it to somebody, or maybe a link.
1: Yeah, right. And then I say, well, psychogenic non-epileptic seizures, and they go, huh? I'm like, exactly. And 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 really, where the where the the challenge in this came for me and for us as a family is Mary, every role that I have in my life was impacted by this in some really dramatic ways, obviously driving not a good idea uh, you know we, we learned that yes, <laughs> and you know i I live in Phoenix, not being able to drive in Phoenix is a lot different than not being able to drive in new york like it's a serious problem because uh, Phoenix is so spread out, so we had to. We basically re- we had to rearrange a lot of things just functionally in our family for, the, for stuff to work. But internally, there, you know, in every aspect of my life, I I had to deal with the the fact that that, that the quote fact unquote that I was not enough. You know, your, your, your classic role as a as, as a as a father is to kind of fix things, you know, to to be there. And I'm like, well, I can't even. I can't even fix myself. I can't even, I don't even know what's happening from moment to moment. Like I lose up to three minutes of time at a, at a time. And, you know, so I just felt wildly inadequate as a dad, you know, as a, as a husband, I was like, man, I, my, my wife is, is I a you know, I was 36 and my wife is basically a caretaker for me in a lot of ways. So it was, very different you know while going I, I eventually was able to to get back to work I, I found a a psychologist that sort of helped me a little bit some part of this was a, a stress reaction the way he described it to me is my stress level would go would go up and normally when your stress level goes up say 10 you know if we're gonna pretend that stress is a number it would go up 10 points but then after the stress it would come down 10 like the way the way he supposed my life was working is it would go up ten, but then the stresses are over, it would only go down two and then up ten and then go down two so my my normal, if you will for stress was terrible, so the smallest little thing would sort of put me over the edge um that was that was the guess, and it really was a little bit of a guess. you know some of the stuff we walked through seemed to work, but you know i we we went through. I went through this process where I had to sort of figure out on a on a spiritual level. Hey, God, where where are you in this? Like, you know that, that that the best that the most commonly misquoted scripture in my experience is God doesn't give you more than you can handle.
0: <laughs> yeah, doesn't and, really exist, does it? <laughs> yeah,
1: it? And I know that's not there. You know, I, but but there's still like you know you still have the vestiges of that thought in your head, like God, you understand that i 'm drowning here, right like you you get that don't you and and there was the proverbial uh, you know radio silence, so there was a lot of frustration for from me in terms of hey god what's what, what are you what are you doing where where are we at you know what's what's the deal? you yeah, know, I went through some pretty dark some pretty dark times in my in, in my faith over the course of the last four years because of that. I'd, I'd love to say that, you know, I, I wish I could tell you, Mary, that my story is like, I'm, and I was a happy, shiny Christian before, and I still am, and it's all good. <laughs> you know, there's two problems with that. I really wasn't that beforehand. <laughs> and I'm still not that now. You know, but but what I, my, my wife has been incredibly helpful in sort of, teaching me to, to see the, the, the goodness in the midst of the, the, the challenges that come out of this and I've, ha- I've had to I've had to learn to look for look for the, the glimmers of light and in, in what are sometimes frustrating tra- frustrating times
0: So as you like when you first received the diagnosis after the Mayo Clinic and the doctors seemed to say this is psychosomatic or this is related to psychology how did that make you feel?
1: Uh, my, my first response was uh, a combination of confusion and anger.
0: Yeah, I, w- I would have been the same.
1: Probably, I would say the core response was confusion, that the the outward response was certainly anger. I'm like, what, what do you mean? I mean, I, I have, this is a, in my history. And now I could say, and it's in my genetics. What do you mean there's no real seizures? And, and like the use of that word, real, I've got some words for you, Doc. I,
0: <laughs> I have some real words for you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, it, it was it was very confusing. I was very angry. I, I really shut down for about six months. What 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 pulled me out of that? I was uh I was angry with someone about something. It wasn't really about that, but I, I was I was expressing anger about something and I was walking out the door to Kind of cool off, and as I shut the door, I heard my youngest son say, "How come Dad's angry all the time? He he used to not be that way. What happened?" And and, and it just it, it shook me. You know, you the, the little bit that we interacted up at you know at, at the writers conference, you you have a sense of of me that I I, I enjoy laughing. I, I like beats. I, I I like that. Like that's a part, a key part of who I am. You know, and and it, I guess it finally, you know, I finally realized, like, oh wow, this is really, this is impacting me at the core of who I am, and it's making me into someone I don't want to be. So, so that was sort of the, that that was my rock bottom, so to speak. And then it became a matter of, okay, well, where do you, where do you find God in the midst of this really unexpected and somewhat dramatic? New set of experiences,
0: and so what did that look like for you? I, I can imagine it was more like baby steps than just a baptism of loveliness. <laughs> so, how did that work? How did you kind of work your way back to God, and how did He reveal Himself to you during your confusion and frustration and not wanting to be angry anymore?
1: I just walked around the block, and then I was fine. <laughs> Kidding. <sorry. laughs>
0: That's just how it all works. It's just snap yeah. your fingers and the healing happens. It, it's magical.
1: It started with me. I would say coincidentally, but not coincidentally, that the very next Sunday at church, our pastor uh, he, he he did something that he hasn't he hadn't done before or since, and it was sort of it was like a pop, you know like like old school church, like pop up sermonettes, talk about what God's doing in your life or what you wish God would be doing in your life. I say old school because I think of like a, a, a country church where there's 23 people. You
0: know? And they're saying their testimonies. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was, it was that kind of thing. And, you know, and, and, and he said, and look, when I say testimonies, I don't just mean what God is doing in your life that you're thrilled about. Hey, if there's something that is jacked and you're willing to have us pray for you as a congregation and you're willing to share that, let's do that too. And, and I, I'm not normally the guy that's like, Hey, let me air my dirty laundry because I'm, I'm male. So that's not part of my, (laughs) (laughs) but, but I, you know, as he was talking about that, I just felt, I I felt God prompting me like, Hey, if if you want to get out of this funk, you can't do it alone. You, you have to be real. And this is the place to be real. And we've been in this church for about five years at the time. So we, you know, it, it's a safe place, and we knew that. As a, you know, I knew that, so I, I walked walked forward and said, "Hey, I don't really have a a thing to share, but here's something that's happening in my life, and I would love to have some sense of of hope, and yeah, just some sense of hope. I mean, I and I and I laid out in like two sentences, and." Pastor Marty and several other people gathered around and laid hands on me and just prayed that there would be some sense of uh, of God in the midst of this. And and that that was the beginning because what that what that did is it it put me in this place of it moved me from being adversarial toward God to to looking to see where He's at. That that shift in posture almost or that shift in direction was huge for me. And then, you know, secondarily, or probably more importantly, you know, I had people who who would come up and ask, "How are you doing? You know, how? What can I do to help you? Do you, need a, do you need? Do you need? You guys need a ride anywhere? You know? What? You know?" So it, it became, you know, when you pull something out of out of the darkness and expose it, there's something powerful that happens there. That that was the the first step for me. And then, um, you know, I, I mentioned this a, a few minutes ago, my. My, my wife is, is brilliant at being able to find goodness in the midst of tough things. I, I, I joke with her about this because I'm, she's very optimistic. I call myself snark optimistic <laughs> I, I want to be optimistic, but I just can't. <laughs> um, I'm too sarcastic. I'm too, you know, there's enough things that have happened where I just have a hard time with it. But, <laughs> You know, so so she would say things to me like like this. So I, I need to add a little bit of color. So sometimes when I have my absent seizures, my, my body goes limp. Um you you've met me. Six foot seven, three hundred-ish pounds, me falling is like an event. Yes. <laughs> um you know, so so things would happen like we'd be we'd be be at target and I would sort of I, I would I would freeze. And then I would start, you know, I would, she would see that I froze and would push me up against the, the, the aisle so that I, you know, she, I wouldn't be able to fall. And, and then she would say, I'm just glad that I was there and that I noticed you, so that you didn't fall. It could have been much worse. Hmm. And that could have been much worse thing made me angry at first. I'm like, well, well, yes, it could always be worse. There could be an atomic war, but that's not what I'm talking about here. <laughs> I'm about the fact I can't go to a store without almost falling on my face. Which is, again really unhelpful. Thank, thank thank God she's so gracious and, and patient with me. You know, but but over time I started to realize like in the you know, there I I started to shift my focus from this thing to part of my life and how angry I am that it's there to Yeah, this thing is here and it's my my seizures are disappointing and frustrating and difficult but but there are so many times where where things really could have been much more significantly worse than they were and i can see the 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 hand of protection on uh uh from from god in in the midst of that and and then even so so here's uh here's a big thing that helped me sort of skip my focus this is very practical but as a function of me not driving I work from home I, I didn't used to do that I, I worked about 45 minutes away now I work from home and I have so much more opportunity I just on a day-to-day basis interact with my kids that I would have never had you know and I have the flexibility to so basically from three to five o'clock unless I have a client call I'm not working because I spend I, I just spend a couple hours with my kids when they first get home from school and, and the, the, the return on that is the ship I don't want to say return my kids are in investment.
0: Sorry,
1: sure. I, I sometimes can't pull it off with my language.
0: <laughs> you got that accountant stuck inside you. Yes. <laughs> Always um, trying to come out.
1: I, I know. I know. I try and shove them down. <laughs> um, so, so a lot of it was that that shift in focus. A, a lot of it is, you know, what, when we realized this was here to stay, you there you get to a point where you you redefine what normal is, and and you have a choice. Well, this is my new normal. I can either be angry at it for the rest of my life, or or I can work I can work through it, you know. And I, you know, o- over time through, you know, I, reading scriptures and really seeing how, how how God works in illness, how what you know what a decent theology of illness looks like and what it doesn't look like, because I had some terrible teaching on what on, on theology of illness that was really impacting. Uh, once I had a better understanding of what Scripture says, then I was able to uh, separate my my worth from my condition.
0: That's one thing I really love about when Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. I'm really grateful that he didn't name it. And also he said it was in the flesh. So this was something in his body that was affecting him. And he basically, throughout that part of scripture says, I learned to thank God for weaknesses and delight in my, basically delight in my illness and my infirmity. And and that is such a paradox from the theology that you possibly heard, which is saying you did something wrong to deserve this kind of a karmic theology or the health and wealth of if you just say the right declarations over yourself or manipulate God enough, he's obligated to heal you. I'm just so grateful for Good robust theology that it, when you're in your illness, you have to kind of re-examine what you believe, and I'm I'm grateful that you were able to do that.
1: The, the passage that really kind of was key for me is uh John John five, where where Jesus heals the the man at the pool of Bethesda. There's a couple things that that stick out to me in in that. I think that's John not John five. It might be John nine. Forgive me. There's a couple things that stick out. The first is that that. The guy who he healed was lame for 38 years. Like, you know, we we just skip over that. And then Jesus healed him. No, no, he was lame for four decades of his life. Like, can you, you know, what was special about that day? Why did God choose to heal him on that day? We have no idea. We don't know why that happened. It just did. You know, the sovereignty of God is something that is so important that I needed to understand in the context of, of chronic illness, you know, and the other crazy thing about that story is, you know, we're, we're we're used to the stories in scripture where it says, and
0: Jesus healed everyone of all their
1: ailments and everyone was happy. You know, he, that isn't this story. Jesus healed one guy, you know, and if if you read, you know, you, you read what's happening in that, in in that, that story, you know, the that there were all sorts of ill people that were laying at the pool of Bethsaida because of some I mean maybe a superstition maybe it wasn't I don't know but you know I would assume superstition you know an angel would stir the waters and whoever got to the water first would be healed you know that that sounds very uh televangelist to me you know so so there I'm sure that guy wasn't the only one there and Jesus healed one guy what about the lady next to him or the kid that was you know five feet away well why didn't why didn't God heal him? And again it's that, that image, that the thought of, you know we, we can't understand the, the purposes of God. I, it's in Isaiah, I believe, where it says, "As high as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And if you really think about that, like we don't, we don't even know what he's talking about when he says the heavens. So, like we can't even measure that, so so we we don't have any idea how, how how much grander God's thoughts are than ours. And, and being able to understand that, those concepts, especially in that story, really became a a, a a knot for me at the end of my rope, where where I can I can hold these two thoughts that that seem diametrically opposed to one another. God is good every day, all the time, and sometimes life just sort of sucks. I mean, we could use more flowery language, but well, other people could. I don't think I'm capable. Uh, <laughs> and I, and I became okay with both of those as I, as I as I gathered, you know, that God God's plan is something I can't understand, and it's. I mean, Mary, I still have hard days. You know, when 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 I when I have, you know, I about two weeks ago, I, I missed. I, I had a seizure and then I took a nap because I was exhausted and and. When I woke up, I had missed a very important call that, that, you know, I, I literally got scolded from my supervisor because I was supposed to run this call and I wasn't there. Mm. And I mean, I was, you know, I I wasn't happy that day. (laughs) That was more of the emphasis on sometimes life sucks. But I still have that rope, and I was still able to sort of circle back.
0: It's so good. It's so important. And, and what I appreciate, too, is just this idea of, first of all, reexamining your theology in light of your circumstances is important. And then the role of community and how it played in your healing process, being willing to say, yeah, I'm having an issue. And the very real part of being honest about everything and even being honest with yourself of, well, that was a really bad day, and that's very frustrating. One question I have is, I was just thinking about this the other day, weirdly, when I was, I saw someone that was bald, and I thought to myself, and then I voiced it to my husband, I said, I wonder if we, you know, when we have our new bodies in heaven, the new heavens and the new earth, if if bald people will not be bald there? um, You know, like, will they just have like this awesome... You know, full head of hair, but how does thinking about the next life help you in your framing of your chronic illness? And it's
1: not a it's not a simple answer. I I, I think the reason it's not simple is because I my condition compared to my my daughter is very different. Not not the the seizures part, but I, I think about. So, so she's, you know, she's a high functioning autistic is she's 14, but has the emotional and intellectual capacity of about an eight year old. So, so there's an innocence and a naivete about the way that she approaches her life. So, so I think like, what would, what will it look like for her? Like I, and there's a part of me that, that hopes that, that, that innocence is, I, I know this is weird. Because I, I mean, we're—it's not like we're—we're—we're we're, we're, we're scarred in the next life. But I—I I hope that that part of her personality that's informed by that innocence and that the sense of wonder that she carries with her—that I admire so much—I would hope that that would still—that she would still retain that in some way. And then for for me, it's—it's um, it's encouraging because I think to myself, you know, that the strength that I've found in Christ and the Encouragement that I found in in our community and my my understanding of God's sovereignty—all of these things are, are forming me into a—I I hope a, a better a better follower of Christ. And I'm, I'm excited that those these lessons that I'm learning will will come with me, so to speak. Um, uh, of course, there's this, you know, on the. The, the very basic level like it it'll be awesome in the next life to be able to have actually keep track of all my time that'd be great <laughs> um, i look forward to that but i'm trying to answer more than just like the, oh it'll be awesome
0: yeah and that forward thinking of this is not all there is this is this is a snapshot of what life what real life is we're living the kingdom now but the kingdom that's not yet is going to be so much more amazing than the glimpses we're getting on this side so as we're finishing this up what kind of advice would you give to someone who's battling a, a chronic condition what what kind of things would be helpful to them do you think
1: I spent a lot of time thinking thinking through this um, I, I think we have to be really careful to examine the the thoughts that we allow to have power and in our lives there are you know, there, there there are myths that we can we can buy into without even realizing it sometimes that that keep us from being able to live a full life you know sometimes it's myths that others tell us you mentioned one that, you know essentially the myth is it's your fault well if you were if you pray the right prayers the right number of times or you know do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around and that's what it's all about. This kind of mystical, magical Christianity, you know, that that's one of the more obvious kind of myths that those in the chronic illness community and that I've heard, you know, that, uh, you know, there's this other, another one is independence is a sign of success. Like this is what I really battled. You know, like I, I had to come to grips with the fact that independence isn't something I can really legitimately consider. And I I learned in thinking about that, like, hey, and guess what? That's not really God's plan anyway. God's best for us is interdependence, where we, you know, you you look at, at, you know, there have been books and hundreds and thousands of sermons preached on Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 40, whatever, you know, that, that. The the way the early church worked, but fundamentally, what you see when you sort of back up from the details of the functioning of what they did, you you see that they they live life together, and there there was a completion. There's a completion that's found only in community. You know, I, I I'm just convinced more than ever that diving into community is is a way forward. You know, and the the other thing is, I mean, I I sort of already referenced this and talked a little bit about it. Like really, you know, don't the, the, the risk or that Risk is the wrong word. The natural response that someone's going to want to have is is to sort of pull back. Well, this isn't making sense to me. I don't know where God is, so I'm just not going to invest. Because when when life gets when when we have this this illness that isn't going to go away, it's hard to reconcile that. My biggest encouragement is to is to is to pull in to God and to really read through some of the scriptures that we mentioned and even, you know, so many other ones about how, you know, how God works in and through and in spite of illness. I want to be careful here. I I realize i just said something that is sort of a hot button topic for me. God's going to work through your illness in remarkable ways. Like my response when someone says that to me is to want to slap them. Yes. I, I do. I understand where they're coming from, but shut it. <laughs> That—that's just not helpful. Yeah, th- I, I guess those are the things that I would that that come to mind.
0: And so, how in the past year has God restored you?
1: That is, a, I've been thinking about this question since he, since I saw it in an email, and, and uh, you know, I, I've grown from I, I've grown in my my comfort of talking about. My my chronic illness is a part of who I am, and and not being ashamed of it. I'll, I'll, I'll parse that out in a way that makes more sense in a moment. When um, when I first started to deal with this, there was there was this question that I always had in my head, like, well, when do I when do I say to someone that I got that I have seizures? Like, when when do I when do I let the other foot let the other shoe drop, so to speak? Cause we've had I've had a lot of negative experiences where people like oh oh you're one of those and like they just walk away and like I don't even like I suddenly don't have a friend which I mean that's a them problem not a me problem mostly although it hurts like that's their response they need to own that you know I've come to a point where I'm I'm a lot more comfortable just talking about you know so you know in this like been married 20 years, have four kids have seizures it's just a defining characteristic and i I mentioned that as a way that God's been restoring me because it's amazing mary that the way that God is using that that sort of just i don't even want to say openness just acceptance of where I'm at right now to to really have some cool conversations where there's there, there's sharing of hearts with With people that I don't even necessarily know that well, because there there's a there's a connection that happens, and we're, you know, I'm learning that that kind of transparency is is really valuable and powerful for 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 me as I continue to learn that I'm not alone, and and for the people that I interact with. So because it it creates a a safe space. I can't remember who said this, but I, I read a book a number of years ago that. The whole concept of the book was give people the gift of going second. So if if you risk first by saying something that is like not I like the Lakers,
0: but is actually
1: real, that, that then it, it, it helps people to understand. Oh, okay, so we can, we can talk at this level. And, and I found that it's so encouraging for me and for for uh, I, I think for others to have this this place to just be transparent
0: I love that and I love that you know we're always learning and we're always growing and we're always <laughs> finding out new things about ourselves but also about God and so thank you so much for sharing your story today Chris I just really appreciate your honesty and I know that the listeners are really going to resonate with what you've had to share
1: oh, I'm, I'm so thrilled that I have a chance to, to, to share it. thank you I really am
0: this week, I'm happy to feature Robin Luftig and her testimony. And again, if you'd like to share yours, just go to MaryDemuth.com and click on the microphone icon on the right-hand side. So here is Robin's message. Shame
2: on you. I lived in shame for years. Shame told me I was a mistake. I sought after God as a youngster, and even though I accepted Him as my Savior as a preteen, I thought that meant life would be easy. And when life became difficult, as life many times does, I became disillusioned and turned away from him. But the Holy Spirit called me back. And when I tried to tap back into Christ, I was told it was too late. I was too broken for God to use. People gave me shame. And from there, I spent years thumbing my nose at God. Since I was told God didn't want me then, I wouldn't want him. But oh, in my heart, I really did. And Jesus knew my heart and continued to offer me grace. But I was too proud and wounded to take it up. I spent years trying to control my life. I did it through relationships, one right after another. One sleepless night after years of anger and rebellion, I thought the only way to rid myself of pain from shame was to commit suicide. I pulled the keys from my purse and was about to head to the garage. I was going to stop the hurting. Standing in my room Crying, completely broken and humbled, I whimpered one last time, Father, help me. In that moment, I experienced God's presence and love like never before. I physically felt two arms surround me as I leaned into them for His sweet comfort. In that moment, God wrapped me in mercy and grace. And life has been amazing ever since. It's not a bed of roses. But it's been sweet. That sweetness was tested in 2011. While building a ministry to reach hurting women, a tumor was discovered on my brain, and I was given 10 days to live. When I was challenged with death, I knew I had to test what I believed. Did I still carry that shame from years earlier, or had God's mercy truly set me free? I can honestly say that even though I faced leaving my family for a season, I knew that if I was to die, it would only bring glory to my Heavenly Father. And I celebrate His favor that He allowed me to survive. I thank God for those early dark years right now, because they gave me insight to the pain that others might feel. Apostle Paul explains in 2 Corinthians 1-4 that God comforts us in all our troubles so that we offer that same comfort to those who have the same struggles. I still remember my guilt. But I remember it historically like a person remembers a toothache. It's not the pain or the tears remembered, but the event. So go ahead, remember your guilt historically, but don't let Satan turn your guilt into shame. Shame is toxic and a alive from hell. Nothing good comes from it. And while you're remembering, remember God's grace and mercy that's always waiting for a repented heart.
0: Thanks for listening to The ReStory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Jesus, I do lift up those who are struggling with an illness that doesn't go away. It's it's pervasive, it's continual, and it will probably be with them till they die. That's so hard. I can't imagine that right now. And I, I know that it's got to be a relentless thing, especially if pain is involved and suffering. So Lord, I pray that... Instead of pat answers and cliches, uh, that we would just experience you in the midst of our pain. I thank you, Jesus, that you understand our suffering, that you suffered and died on the cross, and you understand what it's like to physically hurt. Your agony must have been so profound, and I'm so grateful that you understand our weaknesses. So for those who are suffering today, I pray that you would just be that special dose of comfort and love and grace and help in time of need. And I also pray that you would lift our eyes above our circumstances. And boy, sometimes when we're battling pain, it's really hard to do that. But I just do pray that you would lift our heads, that we would lift our eyes up to the hills from where our help help comes from, and that Uh, you would begin to reorient us toward gratitude, which is a huge, huge step to move from bitterness and anger to gratitude. But I know that your Holy Spirit is strong enough to do that. And so I pray that for my listeners today, that you would reorient us toward gratitude. So be near as I pray so often and help us to trust you through the trial that we're currently walking through. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more information about today's show and head on over to marydemuth.com forward slash restory three 17 and may you live a brand new story this week.